The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, anxiety is part of our evolutionary safeguards to stop us doing things that may harm us. You don't stand on the edge of a cliff, literally, for fear of falling to our deaths. But sometimes children will be anxious about many, many things. In fact, sometimes about almost everything. And that will put limits on how much they can enjoy their own lives. Help is at hand in the form of a new book called Tired of Anxiety. And it's subtitled A Kid's Guide to Befriending Scary Thoughts and Living Your Life Anyway. It's co-authored by my next guest, Dr. Sarah Cassidy, who's an educational child and adolescent psychologist. Sarah, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Thank and first of all, this is just the first of five books. That's correct, Pat. Um, what will the others uh, entail? They're all entitled Tired of Anxiety or some variation on that theme. And they're all about coping with anxious thoughts and feelings and essentially living your life anyway. Now, let's talk about uh, at whom this is aimed, because this is a a kind of a workbook for the kids themselves to use. Exactly right. Yes. So what we wanted to do with this book um, basically is to let kids know that they are um, absolutely normal for having this very human experience of anxiety, that um, everybody has it, that I think a lot of the messaging that we give kids around anxiety and actually a lot of the experience of, um, you know, the normal trajectory of human feelings, we kind of tell kids a lot of the time um, because most parents, I'm a parent myself, Pat, I have three kids and we often are very, very busy, us working parents, and we often um, tell kids to kind of, you know, stop feeling that or stop thinking that um, because we're very, very busy and we're rushing off to do things. But actually what we wanted to tell kids um, is that your feelings are absolutely 100% normal and it's okay to feel that, it's okay to think that. And what we want them to do is to explore their thoughts and feelings um, and to do the things that are important to them anyway. Yeah. Now, uh, have you noticed an increase in anxiety during the pandemic and because there was disrupted schooling? Yes, we have seen an enormous increase in um, the rates of anxiety and we've seen an enormous increase in the rates of families seeking services for the treatment of anxiety. And those services are not there? Those services are not there and they're not there in the public um, service and they're not there in the private practices either. Now, have people been uh, ingenious and creative in in trying to offer more services? Because we learn to do a lot of things remotely. So maybe the scope for for that kind of thing or even doing broader, not one to one, but kind of almost classroom settings therapy. I think people have gotten a lot more creative and I really take my hat off to a lot of parents and a lot of teachers and a lot of clinicians. Um, I think people are doing a magnificent job. And I mean, I see parents every day. And, you know, one of the things, in fact, the introductory chapter of this book really is to parents saying, um, we see you. (laughs) We know you're doing an extraordinary job. Um, And it's incredibly difficult, the experiences that parents are having in trying to cope with this by themselves. Now, are there typical uh, anxieties? I mean, I said that kids can be anxious about almost everything. It could be about anxious to going to school. Um, It it could be. There was one case I came across where someone didn't like going to the bathroom and then ended up, uh, you know, wetting themselves. Uh, Why? Because they couldn't reach the sink to wash their hands after going to the bathroom. So didn't go to the bathroom at all. Simple things. 
So we see lots of different what I would call garden variety anxieties and those are very, very common and we see a whole range of those types of anxieties and we also treat you know, more kind of obsessional types of anxieties like what you're talking about. So those might be more like fears or, or OCD type fears. Um, and we have a whole specialised clinic for that, uh, the New England Centre for OCD and Anxiety, where we would treat really more specific uh, what I would call anxiety that has like an OCD flavour yeah. is how I... But, but uh, outside of those very specific ones, what are the typical things that kids worry about? So, I, I mean, and that's, you know, to your point there, there, a lot of fears are actually very normal and they occur alongside of a typical childhood trajectory. So they kind of happen, like sometimes a parent will come and they'll be really worried because a kid, let's say at the age of seven, all of a sudden has this big fear of death and dying. But actually, that's quite age appropriate at around that age and stage where a child will all of a sudden have just experienced the death of a, a neighbour or a loved one or a grandparent. So sometimes while it might be intense and big at that time in their life, it's actually quite normal at that age. Now, some of the things from the chapter for parents and, uh, you know, that's who might be listening to us now mm-hmm. rather than the kids themselves, because it's aimed primarily at seven to 11 year olds, but People a little bit older, a little bit younger will also benefit from using this workbook. Um, kids in this age group tend to learn less from what you tell them and much more from what you show them. Exactly. So while we know that parents are going to be reading this book probably in the background, we also want for parents to have the language. We want for parents to model everything that we're doing in the book. And so even if it's the case that your seven-year-old or your six-year-old or your nine-year-old um, and, and we want for kids to be able to do the exercises. But parents, we want for you to do this with your child and we want for you to explore it. We want you to model everything that we're asking your child to do. We want for you to do it too. Because actually that is the best example of how to cope with anxiety is for you to show them how to do it. Now, there are different ways people tend to cope. One is to protect their kid from every anxiety possible. And you say, no. Some anxieties are actually normal. (laughs) Yes, lots of anxiety is actually quite normal. And again, um, I definitely don't want to demonize parents here because it's also a normal part of evolution for us to want to protect our kids. So like there's a part of me from an evolutionary sense that, you know, I want and need to protect my young. So that's kind of baked into me from an evolutionary perspective as well. But I also need to not rob my child of, you know, an experience or an opportunity for them to explore their environment because a child will learn from those exploration opportunities and they learn that they can cope. Now, some people have a thing maybe about school Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, straight away a parent will think, uh, are they being bullied? I know. That may not be the issue at all. It could be something else uh, entirely. And you say, don't necessarily yield to the, you know, I'll keep them at home then for a few days because they don't want to go to school. You say, go anyway. Explain. I know. And it's a really difficult one. And I remember my mother used to always sing this, you know, the the Lanigan's Ball song, I Step In and I Step Out Again. And how do we learn to do that dance? And I think it's very difficult because particularly after COVID, where we as parents were getting this message, if your child has any hint of a cough or a cold, keep them home. And now we're saying, you know, before that we were saying, unless my child was actually dying, we were sending them into school. And now we're in this space again where we're saying, are they faking it? Are they sick? 
you know, now we actually don't know anymore. And now what we're really worried about is we now we don't want school refusal or school anxiety to set in. And so now we're back to shoving them in the gates again. And it's really difficult for parents to navigate that piece because we actually don't know mm. when so, a child So you is think sick. that um, there was a time during the, the height of the pandemic, which Luke O'Neill told us is officially over, yes. um, that a kid could say, well, if I pretend I'm sick... Yeah. There's no way I'm going to be sent to school. Absolutely. And in fact, we were getting messages home from the school every day saying, if you think your child might be sick or might have been in contact with somebody who might have been sick, definitely don't send your kid to school. And so now we're saying, you know, kids got that message. We as parents got that message. Now we don't know what to do. And now our kids are experiencing much higher rates of school anxiety and school refusal. And we as parents, we don't actually know what to do. And, uh, Do parental hard. anxieties transmit to the kids? Yes, an anxious mum, an anxious dad, does that beget an anxious child? Definitely. So a lot of the parents that we see who are coming for the treatment of anxious kids also have anxious, you know, the anxious kid will often have an anxious parent as well. And, and around and around it goes. So it's very, very difficult to, you know, get in under that cycle. Now, explain uh, how this workbook uh, works, because there are things to fill in. Yes. Uh, and uh, there are things, boxes you can tick and so on. So how does the child work his or her way through this book? So actually, we did a really cool activity that we called Art Club. And at, when I was writing this book, I had a lot of kids coming to the clinic that were actually you know, being treated for anxiety. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if some of these an- anxious kids came and took part and, you know, gave me feedback on the language in the book, but also did some of the artwork in the book. And they gave us feedback on, you know, when were the parts that we should do some extra writing. And so now there are the whole spaces in the book where when we want a child to do a writing anxiety, a writing activity. So what does your anxiety look like, feel like, what shape does it have? You know, tell me about it, draw a picture about it, because that is exactly what we want to do. We want for your child to explore their anxiety because we don't want for them to be frightened of it. And the best way for them to not be frightened of it is for them to be able to have that space to explore it with you, alongside of you, for you to be able to talk about it with them. And and, and that's why it's like opening up this great big box and for everybody to be able to look at it together with you. Now, there are audio tracks available uh, that accompany the book. How does that work? So when you get to the space in the book where we, we, you know, Parents are busy, I know that. And so there are lots of guided meditations and audio pieces and that will coach you through. So let's say mom or dad, you're tired and you've gotten to that piece where we, you want to do a guided meditation and it will, te- it will coach the meditation piece or, th- or the mindfulness piece. So you just, you know, pop it into your phone or whatever device that you have and, and it will just, it, it's actually my voice, um, you know, at the right pace coaching the mindfulness piece at the right point in the book. Now, some of the questions are coming in. Uh, can you ask Sarah if she's any tips for helping my non-verbal daughter with intellectual disability with anxiety? She can't tell us what's making her anxious and we can't talk her down when she is stressed. OK, that's incredibly difficult. Um, and by the way, you know, when we think about kids that are non-verbal or non-speaking, 
Um, you know, that doesn't mean that they don't know. It just means they may not be able to tell us right now. So I would look at what some of the other contextual cues are. And I would look at some of the other environmental variables. So, you know, mom and dad, you're going to be doing a little bit of detective work here. And so I would look at what are the scenarios where that situation arises for your child. And, you know, I would try to track that. So write it down. You know, when did it last happen? Was it a Monday? Was it a Tuesday? Was it before school? And try to track as well. You know, did your child have a lot of sleep? No sleep? Was it around a food issue? Was it under a demand situation? And by the way, just because your child got anxious doesn't necessarily mean we should avoid that. It might mean we might baby step towards it. Um, it might mean we, we might work our way up towards it. Um, so just because something mean, just because a child is anxious about something doesn't mean that thing is mm. bad. It just might mean that we might need okay, to work towards it differently. To keep a diary when the, the stress is visible in the child, try to figure out what might have been the, the trigger or the circumstance. Exactly. So track it, track it. And if it's something that's important to your family, we might work towards it, but definitely track it. Uh, my six-year-old has just started having night terrors. Yeah. Any idea what I should do? Well, again, track them. Um, sleep issues are, are very, very big. And, um, you know, we could definitely do a whole session just on sleep. And by the way, as the parent of three, in, you know, total non-sleepers, I absolutely wholly feel your pain. And sleep is an incredibly difficult issue. So I would look at what your your sleep hygiene is like. And, and that is not me uh, casting aspersions on your sleep hygiene right now. Um, but a lot of time the nighttime issues happen around when something else is happening. So sometimes it's just your child settling into something new that's happening in the house. Um, so I would just look at, you know, what's happening immediately before bedtime. Has there been a change in the routine? Um, so look at if you can settle some of those things. Sometimes it's just kind of a busy time in your life. Um, but it's not necessarily something that you're doing wrong. So if you're hearing that message from somewhere else, you know, give yourself a break. But again, look at the other variables and see, can you settle down some of those things? But it could be also just a busy time in your life. But if you've checked out all those other variables and there's nothing else major happening, um, you know, then do some other detective work. And don't let anybody tell you, by the way, because I know around that time for me, I definitely got a lot of messaging. Um, your your neighbours, by the way, and the other people in your life Generally speaking, they are not clinicians. So if you're getting lots and lots of judgment from those people, you know, I would park that. And if you're not getting a lot of answers that are satisfactory to you, please do go to the end of the road. You know, talk to your GP, talk to your pediatrician and absolutely um, get an appointment with a sleep consultant if you are not getting to the end of the road there. Um, because I definitely, where that was concerned, um, got a lot of judgment and not a lot of actual support. Another one, my little boy had a really bad gastric bug and has had some fear around food and eating ever since. Anything yeah. I can do? Yeah, so I would baby step back towards food. So first of all, acknowledge that because that's a huge one. And, you know, where anxiety is concerned, like he's got a very real trigger. So some anxieties we can't trace back so easily. Whereas with your little guy, you actually know exactly where that came from. So I would acknowledge that. Like, that's actually really scary when you think about it. I don't know how old your child is, but like vomit is actually pretty scary and from an evolutionary perspective it's meant to be like when you think about things like poison mm. or the body's natural response vomit is actually a natural evolutionary response to things like poison or things that are bad for us so um i, I would trace that back for your child and i would talk to him with it and i would try to baby step back towards towards those foods and talk about things like health. Um, can you ask Sarah, does she know about the baby's first six months of life? And if a mother's anxiety shapes 
the baby for life? Is the baby feeling the mother's feelings? I think a lot of mammies really beat themselves up about this stuff. And, you know, so my first advice to you would be, um, you know, like slow down, breathe, have some compassion for yourself. Um, I think it's a miracle that most of us mammies have made it through as well as we have made it through. Um, I think babies, you know, probably do um, absorb some of parental anxieties. But the other thing is they also forget it very quickly as well. So I would, you know, give yourself a break on that and, you know, take a few deep breaths on that. But I would also say, you know, they're, they're not going to remember that. Uh, you know, that's that's probably pretty unlikely. But I would also, you know, move gently forwards um, from uh, that. A final one, which is more a comment than anything else. My 11 year old has developed severe OCD. Mm-hmm. She was assessed and deemed a very high priority by CAMS. Seven months later, we're still waiting for an appointment. How is that right? Oh, I, it's so frustrating and I'm so sorry. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it is such an, it's such, I suppose that was one of the reasons why we wrote this book is that I, I do think that a lot of parents and a lot of kids can actually treat their own anxiety. And one of the things with this book was an attempt for, to condense the scientific principles into bite-sized pieces so that children and families can actually treat their own anxiety, even severe types of anxiety like OCD. In other words, get a, if you're waiting for CAMS, uh, you might be waiting. So therefore, try and get a head start anyway. Don't yeah. leave it fester. Don't leave it fister. You can absolutely do this. You know, that was one of the key messages of this book is that kids, children and families, you really can treat yeah. your own anxiety. It's available widely, I presume. It's called Tired of Anxiety, subtitled A Kid's Guide to Befriending Scary Thoughts and Living Your Life Anyway. It's by uh, Sarah Cassidy and her co-author, Lisa Coyne. Available widely? Available widely, yes, at Eason's and, and on, you know, and online. Very good. Sarah, thank you very much for joining us in studio today. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.